Hello and welcome to UI Chat from the Interface, the monthly show to talk about everything ubiquity and networking. I'm your host Alex, and once again I'm joined by my co-host Evan McCann. Welcome, Evan. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, just recovering from uh, a big Thanksgiving meal and uh, oh, yeah. a bunch of new gear to review. Lots of food and lots of gear. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> are you uh, UXG out yet? Are you UXG'd out yet? Or? Uh, yeah, so I, I uh, my home network has been a UDM for a long time. It's been swapped out for a bunch of different stuff, but it's still a UDM. Um, so I did, I have an old USG sitting there. I never had a cloud key before, but I just bought one. Uh, okay. I bought a Gen 2 Plus um, and a, a Protect camera just to play around with. And nice. uh, a new USG. So I, I know you have yours nearby. Uh-huh. We have our, there we go. Our gear to show off here. <laughs> but yeah. It's for comparison's sake, for comparison's sake, I've got an Airport Express as well. I've been photographing that today. Oh, nice! Different things, so because everyone's been saying, Let's... "Oh, they look exactly the same." Like... But, I mean, yeah, pretty much they yeah. do. What I found incredibly interesting was the Ethernet ports. They look exactly the same. They got the tiny little light in the top right-hand corner, and everything inside it looks exactly the same, which is kind of interesting. But what was that? I mean, we're we're diving right into weird small details here. I mean, that's no yeah. different than the USG. They're all Oh, I no, I mean the camera. style of it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the style of it, the light is in the top right-hand corner, and it just looks quite clean, quite very apple but, yeah. Yes. The, UX, the USG, I... by comparison, looks very networky. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I will say the, um, I already ran into it. It doesn't come with a power supply of any kind. Just a short interruption here. Uh, Evan has since found his power supply for his UXG. He didn't quite see it in the box. So for listeners and watchers, uh, the UXG Lite does come with a power supply. So like pretty much any other product you buy from Ubiquity, um, there's oh. some exceptions like the Unify 6. Yeah. What? I, I got one of mine. You got a power supply with yours? What? Yeah, I got one. Let me show you. One sec, if I can find it. There we go. Well, anyway, so the US box, I should say. Okay. Um, it doesn't come with a power supply of any kind, or, or even a USB-C cable. Oh, that's poor. Wow. So, I ordered mine from the Netherlands, which is still allowed to do. Um, it came with the EU one, so I've got an adapter thing. But I'm going to try and do a video for Hostify powering the USG, UXG from PoE. Uh, so I've got the USB to um, PoE adapter, so I'm going to try and hack that together at some point. But the as of, as of recording, which is 27th of November, the UK one is still coming soon. So I just went ahead, I was too impatient, I just went ahead and ordered from the EU, so. Right. Yeah, but I mean, I, I know um, Cody already released a video, of course, because um, mm-hmm. he's always so fast with everything. Even he, though he, he had a holiday, he was still very fast to release it. <laughs> right, vacation doesn't stop him. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I don't know what will. Um, but yeah, I mean, his, his review is pretty positive, just saying, hey, it's, it's a huge improvement over the USG, which mm-hmm. everyone knows. Um, I know Willie did a, a pretty long, thorough, like, setup video. And I, I think there are some others, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on mine. I know you're working on some yep. some videos about this too. So it's UXG season. Yeah, it's exciting. So yeah, that's the the follow up stuff. So yeah, that last last episode, there's been so much stuff that's happened in the episode since. So like we got the UXG UXG light was added to the store, and then it became available. Then it became 20th of November launch date, and then it went on sale. So as of recording, it's on sale in the EU and the US. In the UK and Canada, it's coming soon, so not sure what's going on there. And then just be aware, if you are in the UK like I am, and you order one from the EU, you won't get a UK power supply, so you've got to provide your own. So, yeah. Right. And it's still, no matter where you are, it doesn't have dual WAN, which I know everyone is oh. upset with. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, even me and my like just kind of playing around testing, I was kind of annoyed with the only two interfaces very limiting because you obviously need a switch or something mm-hmm. if you're going to connect more than one device. So yeah, dual no dual WAN or even a third interface that you could assign either way. Um, that's kind of the big bummer, but otherwise it's it seems like it's all positive. Yeah, I saw um, Marcus from Ubiquiti tweeted out. He was saying, oh, everyone's, I think he put it in a nice, very corporate way, but he was saying everyone's whinging about the fact it's got no dual WAN, but bear in mind, this is a light device. And that really is leading me on to sort of the next bit. I noticed when I had the box, so all Ubiquiti products, they have a test date on them. They actually used to have the employee name who told you to test it. But anyway, that's going back very far. Very far. Uh, my one says April. Um, so that's ages ago. And everything on the device, even the product code for it, is different to what it is on the website. Um, I believe, anyway. Um, it just says UXG. So, right. even on the so side the, of the box. Yeah. Right. The FCC ID, like the SWX, you know, yeah. that's the regulatory identification there. That's UXG. The product name is UXG. The barcode shows UXG. Yep. <laughs> the box branding. So it's like, did they last minute decide to shift this down to be a light? And then now they're coming up with, you know, a... I guess no adjective UXG or, or something in the middle between pro and so. the light. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, especially yeah, Marcus's comment that, that kind of adds I know, fuel yeah. to the fire. Yeah. So on the website, it's UXG dash light on the box just says next gen gateway. It's the first thing I noticed um, when I opened it and it just says here UXG. Yeah. As you said. So yeah. yeah. And my test date was uh, right before Halloween. So you got oh, okay. old stuff. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, if yours, you said April, uh, Hang on, let me just double check. That's not the. Oh no, sorry. I was. It's my um. <laughs> U.S. date formats. So mine's fourth of November. Oh oh oh! Well, hey, <laughs> I got the old stuff then. But yeah, I, honestly, that wouldn't surprise me because there's so much lead time. I, I forget when the original FCC application was, but it was I think months Ooh, ago, and then was, I yeah. think they had re- revised filings, you know, just in November. So I mean. It could be that these were manufactured months and months ago, but um, it, the brand, the branding changing that late is odd, if that's yeah. the case. Yeah, definitely. So that leaves us a little gap. Not sure what that would look like. Um, so if we had a, something in between the UXG Pro, because the UXG Pro is like 500 bucks. That's quite a lot of money um, for uh, for like home stuff. It's not really designed for that, obviously. But then in the US, this UXG is £123 in the UK. It's like one. 20 euro 120 dollars i think um and that does leave us some sort of like the ipad lineup as well there's like the um good better best sort of thing that leaves us sort of a a middle middle one so we'll be interested to see if they do something like that and as you said like marcus said this is the light device so um but that isn't that isn't excluding the fact that if you have a lte pro or ulte you can use it with this um so if you do happen to have one of those devices this that doesn't not give you uh, dual WAN, so it can do it. It's just out of the box, it's just single WAN. Yeah, that's like a... Uh, <laughs> technically, it does do dual yeah. WAN. I, I I know it's different internationally, at least in the US, the, yeah. the LTE products that we have, they're... I, I believe that they're tied to AT&T. I think yeah. that might have changed slightly, but um, they, they advertise like a $15 per gig, you know, uh, AT&T locked plan that you have to join. So it's like... Yes, dual WAN technically maybe, but what people really want is another Ethernet port or SFP or anything. Yeah, so I think this is a really good 
replacement for the USG. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think I think the middle segment device. Well, what that looks like, I've got no idea, but that'll be a, something coming soon, hopefully. So yeah, all well, really good. Well, I mean, the two things we do know about, not to drag this topic yeah, yeah. longer, but sure. hey, UXG season. Um, <laughs> uh, the Unify Express, the UX, mm. um, that we know from filings, and I think even Wispa Palooza, they um, had a little um, they did. sign for that. Yeah. yeah. So like that is kind of, it's UDR-like, where it's mm-hmm. kind of a, uh, it's a console gateway, whatever they call it now, cloud gateway. Cloud gateway, yeah. <laughs> cloud gateway is the new term for what used to be console or whatever they called it a month ago. Yeah. Um, but yes, the Unify Express is kind of an all-in-one controller access point gateway. Um, but we don't know. I don't think we've ever seen the back side of that device. We've just seen the front with the little screen. Mm. So I don't know how many interfaces that have, but that could be kind of in between the UXG, but that's a controller, so it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they have a controllerless version of that, but then is that the UXG? I, it, it gets very confusing. Mm. Yeah, uh, we shall we shall see. But yeah, there's some videos coming out. I think, as you mentioned, uh, I think Chris has done a video as well. I think he was first out the shot with it, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really cool. Uh, but yeah, everyone's going everyone's going mad. I think it's sold out already. So all good. And then last episode we discussed there was a beta release of USB Switch 1.6 um, with the, with the GUI that in the time since that episode has been released to GA. So I've installed that on my device and it's all working fine. So all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to see that, and I think I got caught up in the initial excitement of, wow, they actually did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it does seem like it's kind of just a very basic GUI. And the same thing with um, EdgeOS 3.0 on yep. Edge switches. Yep. That was very much just like a, a CSS update. Like, they just updated the styling. It's the same exact features, same exact GUI underneath. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to see both of those, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's all good. Cool. Uh, just a quick reminder before we get back into the Ubiquity news. Thanks to everyone who has been listening to this podcast. Me and Evan look forward to coming back every month to provide our takes on the latest Ubiquity updates. We would really appreciate it if you could review this show on the podcast app you're listening in, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anything else. If you're watching their gorgeous faces on YouTube, make sure to leave a comment and hit that like button. It really helps other people find this show. Without further ado, let's get back to the Ubiquity news. So this is... This one's so hot. It's it's uh, off the press. This one, <laughs> hot off the press. Uh, it's Ubiquiti paid site support. Um, and you've been doing some digging into the website and figure out what's going on with it. This is a bit wild, isn't it? This is sort of not. I wasn't even expecting this sort of thing from Ubiquiti ever, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you just saw this today, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is like literally just posted. Um, and yeah, it's it seems like you know it's it's kind of like the what they call large project assistance, which mm. is um, they're kind of you know, fill out this form, we'll contact you and, and help you build, you know, or, or pick the right, equi- uh, build your network or, or pick the right equipment. It's not really clear how mm. far they go with that. This is the same thing where all they have is a website and they have a couple like frequently asked question things at the bottom. So there's not a whole lot of information about what this is, at mm. least the specifics. Um, but it's $100 per site per month. Um, that is a special early access price, which may change. Um, mm-hmm. You don't need to commit to more than one month at a time. It's only for cloud gateways, so that would be the UDR, the UDM Pro, UDM SE, uh, UDW, and depending on how they define cloud gateway, maybe the UDM, it probably will support the UDM. Um, mm. But that means nothing with UISP, none of the USGs, none of the UXGs, no self-hosted controllers. You know, you need one of those, uh, what, five five different products to yeah. use this. 
Um, and it says it may support other deployments in the future, but you know, we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a video or, or phone support. So it's, you let them know you need help. They will call you back. Uh, and you also get a phone number to call, but it's only during the daytime, during the week, only in the U S only in English. So it's very limited with products and timing and <laughs> region and in just about every way it's limited. And they don't really say, you know, what things they help with, but it's kind of implied that it's like you have a networking issue, contact them, they kind of help you out. Um, but it doesn't really define what networking problems they help with or won't help with, you know, like if it's, if it's something with your upstream provider, I'm, I'm assuming they're not going to help troubleshoot that, those no. kind of things. So yeah, it, it's kind of unclear and it's obviously brand new, but it's interesting because that like, if you do the math on that, that's $1,200 a month for potentially a $200 dream router. Mm-hmm. So it's like you spend two hundred dollars on the hardware and then twelve hundred a year on support for that. Like, yeah, it definitely it, it seems like a way to make recurring revenue. Like I'm sure they're they're just trying to make money here, but I, I'm not sure who would you know be the market for this. Um, for maybe businesses with a UDM Pro or UDMSE or Dreamwall maybe, but for for the home market, it doesn't really make sense. For businesses, maybe I could see this coming in handy, especially if you don't have IT. Uh, mm. there to, to troubleshoot those things yeah what's weird about the large project assistance still is that there still isn't anything on the website just those request a meeting there's yeah. no information on that page at all but this is this website i saw it on twitter earlier um but it's been added to the drop down for support now called professional phone support now but yeah you're right there's nothing in here about exactly what they can help with or or what they can even do for you but i'd imagine it's probably some simple stuff possibly but but msps right. now i don't know how many i don't know how many msps are going for dropping udm pros and things i imagine quite a few of them but i imagine a lot of people are doing self-hosted or like hostify or hosting their own server and that sort of thing and then generally they won't really need help from ubiquity because they know what to do so and, and it's right yeah and, and of, yeah yeah and if you're an msp you're probably the one selling that support to the business there yep. and you probably would prefer a self-hosted controller or you know like a uxg setup but so yeah I, I'm, I'm not sure who this is for but um it is branded as what site support mm. <laughs> not to be confused with ui care which is their extended warranty yeah and not to be confused with what was it unify elite do you remember what that was yeah, yeah. way back when yep. yeah that was well i forget if that was just war- i think that was just rma replacements and maybe priority phone support or, or prior priority support in some way yeah yeah it, it, they've they've tried you know they've kind of danced around this area of like actually supporting their products with <laughs> you know paid plans um and this is the latest version but yeah um, we'll see where it goes yeah i i think the customer that i've got in mind probably is a big company that's in-house it themselves but not to a fantastic level and then they got ubiquity stuff or whatever and then there's something gone wrong with it and then they'll maybe purchase a month of this hundred hundred dollars you don't have to continue i think you mentioned in the notes that it's no contract with it mm-hmm. um you could just pay i think that's that's like uh, aws support as well because i i paid for support last year for the website um and then you can just pay one month up front though you can use them for that entire amount of time and then stop paying so you only really need it when you need it um but yeah, I'd imagine this will probably go up to like $300, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if this is early access, I mean, yeah. I'm assuming the price will go up. 
Um, and yeah, that, that's a good point. I didn't, I, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, like a, a medium sized business where they don't have a dedicated network person. Maybe, they, maybe they have like a general it guy or, yep. or girl. Um, and maybe they just, yeah, want to spend a hundred dollars for one month to get their or- issues, um, fixed, but mm-hmm. it's good that it's there. I, I know it's a deal breaker for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, but in in terms of similar pricing to AWS, AWS is around that price mm-hmm. for one month. So it's sort of Ubiquiti might charge more, but they will charge more than a hundred dollars, I reckon. But um, it's it, at the moment it's it's sim- it's similarly priced to similar stuff I can think of. So I'm not sure what Microsoft do for Azure or um, Google Cloud. I can't really think of anything else. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and it's not unreasonable if if you spend. I mean, if you even if you spend what two hours, you know that that's pretty cheap, yeah. uh, effectively consulting time there. Yeah. So, it could be yeah. could be great for for the right person. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, yeah, as you said, it's US only, only English as well. So, cool. Uh, the next one is last month we were talking about uh, whether or not Unify Talk will actually come to the UK, and in the again in the space in between the last episode, lots happened, and yeah, it's launched. Um, so they released. Unify Talk 2.2.0 on the 14th of November to the UK, and then shortly afterwards they made the oh, the two phones down there actually. They made the two desk phones available in the UK as well. Just the only thing that's not available is the ATA. Uh, that's not on sale yet, but I managed to get one last year anyway. So, I've been testing things out. There's a few hiccups with it. It, it is early access, so I noticed other people on the forums have noticed that if you make a phone call uh, to a, a mobile phone or another device, the call sometimes will just um, ring, won't let you answer it, and then it'll go straight to voicemail. It's really weird, really odd. So some things aren't quite working quite right just yet. Um, they did release a patch just shortly afterwards to enable to enable Unify Talk performance during uh, Starlink or Carrier Grade NAT. Sorry, I was just laughing because yeah. uh, you did the the Apple thumbs up Did video. I? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, what makes sense to anyone who's listening, but yeah. I just saw that pop pop up beside you, and I couldn't help but laugh. Sorry, sorry, distract. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They've they've made something. I guess it opens ports by itself, or does some some kind of intelligent routing to make it work better with Starlink and carrier grade NAT situations, which is awesome because a lot of people are using Starlink now. So, um, but yeah, there's no support for uh, number porting just yet. There is. I think that's the only thing that's missing just just now. And also, SMS doesn't work. Um, it's not available just yet. But looks looks cool, though. I haven't had a chance to play with the phones yet because I'm doing a video on those. But I've played around with a, a cordless phone, like a deck phone, but it seems to work all right. Yeah, and I wonder if those issues are why they were delaying it or, or maybe something related to their ongoing trouble to open the store there or, or keep the store open, I should say. Sure. Um, so is, there's still no UK store officially. You still have to go to the EU, correct? Oh no, the UK store is available now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, UK store is back. Maybe they they fixed that issue and that was yep. what was holding us up because they they delayed it a few times, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's weird is so every time you order something from the UK, it goes um, to a ship forwarding company called Ship Bob, and I had one of the phones arrive and the box looked like it had been through like a, a shredder, like the box was all mangled and sort of. I was surprised it was holding itself together, so I'm no idea. That's not great. <laughs> um, but yeah, the only reason I bought the UXG from the EU store is the fact that it they hadn't launched in the UK yet, so I was a bit impatient. Right. So, right. And it gets imported, and then they handle all the custom feeds for you, which is nice. So, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with the performance. Again, as I said, a few people are saying in the forums, but it is at the moment it is EA, so don't go ahead and deploy it for someone and then wonder why they've got issues. It is early access still, so um, just bear that in mind. The pricing for it, so it's seven pounds ninety nine a month for the numbers, and then there's you can have every single county in the UK has got numbers available for you, so you can have whatever you want. Um, but it seems to seems to be alright so far. So yeah, that's I mean Unified Talk has been around for so long and. I still kind of treat it as like a, I don't know, it, it seems like a hobby for them or mm. like a side thing. I mean, you've used it way more than me. Like, do you think it's, you know, especially once they obviously add number porting, mm-hmm. fix the issues that you just mentioned, like, do you, do you see this as like a viable phone option and who for if, if it is? Um, so at the moment, um, yeah, at the moment I'm going to drop it in to so my parents' business. They've got VoIP. Um, we moved them off um, landline phones ages ago. So, um, once we got better internet because we're in the sticks, uh, we moved to VoIP. And then, just looking at VoIP systems that aren't ubiquitous, they charge so much for everything. So they charge for SMS, they charge for call recording. The call recording is off-site. Um, whereas in comparison, Unified Talk, all you have to do is get a cloud key Gen Two Plus, um, or something along those lines. If you've got one, I prefer to have it on a standalone device. Hard drive, all the calls get recorded to that device, um, and it's relatively cheap. Um, and then you can have. Um, yeah, the tran- the script, the transcripts and things. In terms of who it's for, probably small businesses and things. It's probably didn't. It probably isn't at the stage yet where a massive call center could rely on it just now. But like a small, I don't know, like three or four, or five phones possibly, um, and you want one phone number, and then you don't have to pay per phone number. If that makes sense, you if you've got the unlocked devices, you can share that phone number across that whole group. There's certain nice features like. Um, uh, you can have a schedule for the greeting or the voicemail. So I, I, I'd imagine this is probably quite standard. It's probably not new to people who know VoIP more than I do. But uh, you can have a specific voicemail greeting at different times of the day, and you can enable those, have different ring to uh, all sorts of different things. So it's like a lot of Ubiquiti stuff. It's lower priced than other options. And then there's some really cool features in there that people would appreciate. And I think that's... The general thing we are missing a soft phone still you uh, i think cody keeps banging on about that <laughs> the fact that there's no soft phone no soft phone for it um i've never really didn't, used didn't they say one's coming I thought they I left that. some cryptic message on reddit a while back said we are working on it and then nothing since right. so <laughs> yeah but yeah that makes that makes sense like it, yeah. yeah it seems like it's um especially for the the line pricing if it's that low mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I could see it fitting in exactly for that small businesses that just want a easy cheap solution um, and probably same thing with, you know, the, the site, what is it? Site support. Um, if you don't have yep. in-house it to like manage a PBX, you know, those are complicated, awful things to work with usually. So yep. unified talk might be a lot better for those kind of, uh, businesses. Yeah. What I, I've got no understanding of a PBX. I, I, I fully appreciate like people like Chris have got a very good wealth of knowledge of PBX systems and there's far deeper things you can go into than what unified talks doing. But just someone who's got literally no idea how it all works. I just logged in for the first time a while back and I said, oh yeah, I know how this all works. It's all easy. I know exactly yeah. what to do with this and how it all works. So yeah, that's that's really where Ubiquiti's, um, uh, I think it's called MO. That's where their sort yeah. of bread and butter is, is, is getting, making things accessible. So um, I think I think with certain things Ubiquiti are doing now, I think they've gone past the stage of hobby items, I think. I think we discussed this a few episodes ago. They seem to be taking things a bit more seriously than they ever used to do. Um, uh, yeah. 
So. Yeah, and that, that's yeah, that's me thinking of how it was years ago, and mm. yeah, I've kind of outdated opinions of talk access I know, yeah. um, to a, to a lesser extent protect. Like to me, those were always off to the side because that's what they were. And I know unified video went away, became protect. Unified VoIP went away, became unified talk. So to me, I'm like, just let me know when it's a stable product. And it seems like it's it's there. And I know we covered, I forget, I don't know if it was 2.0, whatever release it was where they added, I think, the transcription. So yep. it's like they're adding a lot of features. They're adding a lot of stuff that people have wanted to kind of make this a more complete system. And I, I think it's worth taking seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Uh, the next item is still listed as coming soon everywhere. It's the Enterprise Access Hub. I did some digging into this. This looks really cool. Um, the current hub for Unify Access is sort of... There's no real way of securing it, so you have to install it in a, your inbox, and it can only power a handful of devices and that sort of thing. Uh, whereas this one is the Enterprise model. Again, it is coming soon, but it looks like it's a lot more purpose-built. Uh, you can power a lot more uh, devices off it. Um, a lot of uh, dry dry terminals. There's a battery backup input built in essentially. So you've got a 32 volt to 48 volt battery. So you can hook up a, I don't know, like a, not sure what type of batteries they handle actually. Because I know the solar point is pretty picky on what batteries it wants. Because that is less. At least for the US, I don't know if it's different. It says 32 to 48 volt. Yeah, that's what it says. Yeah, I'm just wondering what kind of battery it supports. Oh, lead acid. So. Yeah, Ubiquiti's battery stuff, their power solutions, they only support lead acid currently, um, and lithium for some reason isn't supported. But, I mean, because this isn't PoE-powered, like the other access hub, you can't have it powered off a UPS room, like a network closet with a UPS. You've got to have your own little battery for it, um, which is fine because it obviously powers a lot more stuff. There's 60 watts of available PoE, uh, and it can draw 240 watts total, so pretty beefy kind of thing. Um but yeah, they've got some good options for it, um, saying you can power door locks and chimes, door openers and sirens and different things. So I haven't I haven't done any deployment of UNIF Access. I know Cody has, but this looks a really good, solid option for things. Yeah, I know um, Cody, yeah, is yeah. my same point of reference there. And I, I think anyone who's done these deployments has been like kind of beg- like begging for mm. a device like this. So I, I know this fills a need. Yeah. Uh, it's what, eight lock terminals, eight plus eight, whatever that means. Uh, sure. Request exit devices and door position sensors, access eight access readers, yeah, four yeah. chime sirens or door openers. So I, I think for a lot of deployments, they were just kind of chaining together multiple uh, access hubs. So yep. it's nice that this higher end model is available. It is available in the US. I don't know. I, I think possibly Canada too. Yep. It's listed as a thousand here and it's sold out, of course. Yep. But um, coming soon to everywhere else, but yeah, yeah, I don't really know much about access. I, I, that's another like we just talked about with talk, where I'm, I'm kind of out of date on what's current, and yeah, yeah. I, I think this is another thing where, you know, when you first heard about it a couple of years ago, maybe you were like, eh, I'm not so sure, but with the the Gen two hardware, this mm. new hub, this is another thing that they're they're putting a lot of effort into, and it's you know for for a certain business probably same thing, small businesses where. They don't want to go with like a full, very expensive, you know, enterprise, quote unquote, real enterprise, whatever you want to call it, um, solution. But yeah, that's that's about all I know about this thing. Yeah, the biggest thing I've seen with the deployment image, it says um, it's powering 
four doors? One, two, three. yeah, four doors off one hub. I think with the current one, because it's only got a few PoE ports, you can only power, it's, it's one of them per door, and that probably could add up quite costly. Um, mm -hmm. So if you pay $1,000 for one hub, you can power four doors and probably save, possibly save some money somewhere, or just a bit more easier to, de easy to deploy. You don't have to go ahead and run a cable for everyone, so um, yeah, it's good. Um, for what I've what I've seen, Unifax access is pretty solid. I know I had um, Jim, the IT guy, on my Creator Spotlight podcast, and I know he he um, deploys a lot of um, Unify access as well. So I'd imagine he's quite happy about that as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm assuming he mostly has positive things to say. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, obviously, if he keeps deploying it, so yeah, yeah good that there's the second generation and and some new quote unquote enterprise gear. Nice, and then. In the Unify Access sort of topic is a new Protect update that I've installed on my stuff. It seems to be working all right. Uh, it's Protect 2.9.42, uh, and this has direct integration with Unify Access. So if you've got Unify Protect installed on a, uh, well, any, actually any device, to be honest, apart from the, well, yeah, actually any device, apart from the UDR probably, because UDR can't run Protect and Access at the same time, uh, Unify Access will integrate with Protect. So... With Unify Access, I think, I believe so. I think if you have a camera installed on one of the hubs, I think the camera gets integrated within, within Access. So I think if someone opens a door, the event of that door opening links back to a recording somehow. Uh, and then what they've said here, it says, when Unify Access and Unify Protect are running on the same device, that can be either a UNVR now, uh, which is quite cool, or any other device, uh, you can now pair a Protect camera to an Access hub, enabling door access events to be shown in both the detections in Unify Protect and then if applicable, uh, the name of the person who opened that door as well, which is like wild. <laughs> Seems hmm. quite nice, sort of nice uh, synergy there. Yeah, and the the note about the UNVR. So the U, the UNVR is just a bunch of hard drives, and it used to only run Protect. Yeah. Now it can run Access. So does yes. that mean can you can you deploy one of these without a cloud key? Like, yeah. Can you have just the UNVR? Yep. Huh. That's yeah. yeah that's a nice change then. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, if you could have. Uh, yeah, if I got my if I went on my UNVR now, you can install Access and you can install um, UID I, on Protect as well. So yeah. when I used to work at the West, we did briefly. I'm not sure what form of beta it was in, but we had Protect running with UID, and that was quite cool. You could manage you could um, uh, manage people's access to the cameras with UID, which was quite nice. But yeah, some nice integration going on there. And then with that update, we have a ton of uh, bug fixes and new features, as well as license plate recognition search so with the AI cameras you've got the license plate recognition and then now you can just search the registration or the license plate number on with protect I haven't had a chance to test that out I've... yeah <laughs> not yet nice so. feature though yeah oh yeah yeah um, uh, just judging by my brief research on it AMPR cameras that can detect license plates are one very expensive two have very janky power supplies for them and three have license fees so the fact that Ubiquiti doing it again, another another win. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, where where I work, we're looking at replacing our cameras, and yeah, that that's what I found is everything is a very expensive piece of hardware, and then a very expensive subscription on top of that. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, not sure what's going on there with that sort of stuff, but yeah, AMPR cameras. I don't think the AI cameras are quite as good as an AMPR camera because AMPR cameras. Um, I have been unfortunate to have some letters through the post where I've parked wrong stuff. I've had the image 
come back from them. And I said, oh, that's quite good. Even in the middle of the night, that's picked out my, my registration number quite well, which is, which right. is great. Well, hey, <laughs> maybe if maybe if they used uh, Ubiquity cameras instead, they wouldn't be able to find you because the, yeah. the license plate search doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're not quite the drop-in replacement for the NPR, I don't think. Because yeah. the NPR cameras have all those little LEDs on them and the, the AI cameras don't have that. Um, and yeah, uh, this lends us nicely into, again, we've got very nice linking with the topics today. Uh, the AI Pro uh, is now available in a white colorway. Uh, so I'd imagine, so with the AI cameras and the G4 PTZ or the PTZ, um, they're just available in a black color. And one that's bad for color, sorry, one that's bad for heat absorption, I think. So if you've got that in direct sunlight, it'll just get hot very quickly. But also, uh, if you've got if you've got it on a white building, that's just going to stand out quite poorly. And then the if you wanted a really good quality camera and you didn't want the G4 Pro or the G5 Pro, you could get the AI Pro, and it's now available in a white color. Same price. Uh, it's sold out everywhere. So yeah, so there's the white AI Pro, and then there's also what the doorbell door uh, G4 doorbell Pro is white now as well. There is, yeah, the G4 doorbell Pro PoE. Just the POE one for some reason, and that the kit, the kit that you get, so you get the doorbell and then the chime POE. Those are now available in a white option as well. So, and I forgot to add it to the show notes, I think, but there is a oh I have it's a bit further down, but there's a new. Um, I was having a browse around the store as you do, and there was a, there's this new gang box mount. Now, I don't know if it's something to do with like U.S. electricals, but I've never seen anything this sort of shape electrical systems here but I'd, I'd imagine you might have done but i'm not sure what purpose that has I'm not really sure so yeah i saw pictures of that new gang box mount i mean it looks like i don't know if it's just plastic but it just yeah. kind of looks like a, a shroud around um around here i i know we have a lot of ring cameras and a lot of them have um either that angled mount which i know they've they've yep. had forever um but some of them have a little bit more kind of yeah. similar to that gang box mount. I'm not sure exactly what that is. I would assume it's it's to fit over a a standard size mm. cutout where yeah. if you're replacing an existing doorbell with that standard gang box yeah. mount, I would assume that's what that's for. That's yeah. just to make it an easier place to uh, stick a, a G4 doorbell pro. Yeah, it's, it's, alu- it's aluminium apparently, so it's all metal. And it says, allowed secure mm. installation on both old and new single gang single gang boxes I've, as i said i've never seen anything that sort of shape here anyway sort of the very tall um, rectangle sort of shape but i'd imagine it might be more commonplace over there but well yeah single gang box would be like a standard um outlet so okay like a, a two a two outlet uh, one on top of each other that's a single uh, gang i see double gang right. would be four outlets you know two by Got two you. so yeah I, I don't i mean i guess that's nice for I, I don't know who would have a you know like a either an empty wall box there or like an electrical outlet but no idea i it's nice for mounting flexibility same thing with the there's what like three or four different ways to power those things depending on which model you yeah. get and now there's just more mounting options because i'm sure there's some people that complain say hey i have a, you know a single game box and i can't mount it here so this is their solution for that yeah you've got USB-C for power and then wi-fi for data you've also got USB-C with 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 uh, Ethernet over it, and you've also got the spade connectors, and then you've also got now got PoE, so they've got four or five different options. Which is considering we've come from where was it 2019 or 2018 with the first G4 doorbell, uh, it's a bit had a few issues. We've come a very long way in terms of their doorbell offering. So yeah. awesome. 
the next item you've got on the list is you've been very good and put all the little <laughs> uh, like topics for Unify 8. So we've got Unify Network 8.0. Uh, I can't remember if we had this last episode. Um, but it's now. It was yeah. Yeah, it was in early access, so I, I don't okay. remember which one it was. Because mm. um, I think they had eight point oh dot two and then dot six, but dot seven yep. is the one that became an RC and became now general access. Yeah, this this I've had a chance to play with it on my UDMSE and then on some hostified controllers as well. It's mega update, tons and tons of stuff. I'd imagine your probably your favorite feature is the VLAN bit. That's my favorite thing, I think. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, the, they always have like the few highlight features mm. and this time it's the radio manager which is um you know much better layout for all of the you know what wi-fi networks are around you and what yep. access points are on what power level and what channel um that i i am a big fan of and then yeah the the new port manager and vlan viewer um those are all uh very nice it, it, the vlan viewer almost looks like it's kind of gently lifted off of like an edge switch because yep. that's kind of how they configure VLANs on an edge switch in, in the, the web GUI. Yep. But that's, yeah, a big, um, nice change. And, and they have some terminology changes. Like they finally went away from uh, default network, which yep. was like, you know, that's kind of a ubiquity specific term and you can kind of figure it out. But everyone in the industry calls that a native VLAN. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, they've made a few adjustments there to make things a bit more clear. And then yeah, those those interfaces are are really nice. Yeah, the only thing I went I went ahead and tied up a lot of my VLANs at home because there was some VLANs being tagged different places that didn't need to be tagged, so I had a good play around. But you can't do what you can on an edge switch. You can't just click on a port and cycle between E T and U. You click on the port and then you have to still do the the weird drop down stuff. But it's it seemed a lot quicker because everything's named correctly, and then you can it's it seems a lot more fluid and. You, the fact that you've got that overview I'll put some pictures on screen if you are watching this um, but the the whole overview just makes things a lot easier to, to understand you'd have to die through each port and figure out where VLANs are going you can get a very crisp overview of what, what is what VLANs are going where so yeah and you can also search those VLANs as well so right and same thing with the port manager they added like filters along the top which mm. is great because then um, especially on like larger sites you know for me in my home it's you know there's like three or four ports it's not hard to figure out which is which but if you got multiple switches and you're just trying to find hey where are all my access points or my cameras or whatever yeah um, those yeah that, that, those filters are very nice to have yeah really really good update um and then we've also got a wireguard vpn client i think you know well you you know a bit more about wireguard than i do but i think we've now got uh the ability to connect to wireguard's client is that right yeah, what that means, uh, um, OpenVPN uh, VPN clients were the only option before. Oh, okay. That was a new feature a couple of releases ago. Cool. Uh, but what, what that client means is that you can, like if you have a, a Dream Router or any kind of cloud console, you can join as a client to another VPN server. So they kind of cleared up those terminology where you're, you can either act as the VPN server, yep. where you're you know, the central place that people connect to, or you can be the client where... You can have two UDRs or whatever, have one act as the server, one act as the client, and you can kind of use it basically as a site-to-site -site, um, VPN. Um, and then if you have like a VPN server, you can also have clients attached to that same one. So this just allows um, cloud gateways, I think, particularly, because I, 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 there's a bunch of asterisks about self-hosted controllers mm -hmm. and needing a cloud key and... USGs don't support this, UXGs do, but only with a cloud key. There's a lot of little mm. you know, nuance there, but 
yeah, in general, most modern hardware can become a client for a VPN or a WireGuard VPN. Yeah, it's a shame they're removing some stuff from self-hosted. I mean, the uh, Magic Site-to-Site VPN, I think that's what it's called, is only available on the cloud consoles, which is a bit of a shame. I'm not entirely sure the reasoning behind it, but yeah. Um, that one almost makes sense to me. Okay. Um, so there's, on the UXG Lite spec page, there's three that they call out with a, you know, asterisk supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one is Site, site, um, site Magic, which is their... Um, you go into unified.ui.com and it's the easy site-to-site network. You just click a checkbox and it's yep. done. Um, and that one kind of makes sense to me because that is obviously you need software running in the cloud on unified.ui.com mm-hmm. and you need you know a, a known hardware running their software, which would be like a, a cloud key or a, um, a dream router, uh, dream machine pro. One of those. So, like, those two need to talk to each other to make that magic happen. Yep. So, that one is kind of excusable. Teleport is probably the same. Teleport's another one where I think even with a cloud key, I don't think it works. I forget. I'd have to look. Um, and that one kind of is the same thing where that's like the QR code, really easy to set up WireGuard VPN. Mm-hmm. That one is a little bit more suspect, I think. And okay. then I forget what the third one is. Oh, I, yeah. Unify Identity. Okay. So Unify Identity is the same thing where maybe just because you need, you know, multiple pieces of ubiquity hardware and software to come together for that. But yeah, I, I, I still am very concerned about the separation between mm. self-hosted and official. <laughs> so yeah. whether it's uh, whether you need a cloud key or their cloud console, official ubiquity, Unify hosting or one of the, the cloud gateways, I, I really don't like that. Um, um, I'll be... Um, you know, anxious to see if there's more features like that that become mm. cloud co- cloud gateway only. Yep. Well, you mentioned uh, teleport. I don't know if you've just seen. There's a new Wi-Fi Man app for macOS. If you've got a macOS machine within with uh, Apple Silicon, there's a new app which does uh, two things. It does um, uh, ubiquitous discovery, so we've got the discovery tool back. It also has a one-click VPN feature, so Unify uh, Wi-Fi Man will live in the uh, menu bar in the macOS. You can click the button, and then you can have um, one-click VPN to your uh, Unify OS console at home if you want. Um, all you have to do is sign in with your Ubiquiti ID, and then it knows your devices, and it will show up which ones are available to support. So I've tried that a few times. It's yeah, it's mega. Right, and that's one of the free features, right? Yeah. Not the enterprise version yep. that you have to pay for. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, that's that that um, one-click uh, identity VPN. That's that is a doesn't apply to UXG feature, I believe. I don't think so. I think UID, you need UID software running on an OS console, whether that be CloudKey or um, UDM device. So, yeah. Right. But yeah, in general, like, you know, beside, we can nitpick these little yeah, things, yeah. but uh, Unify Network 8, I, I'm really happy with. Um, a lot of, obviously, a lot of smaller fixes too, but just the radio manager, VLAN viewer, port manager. Um, site site overview came back. Mm. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another, this is just another nitpick of mine. They actually include screenshots in the release notes for this one, which yeah. I, I love that because it, it especially going back, mm. um, just because the interface has changed so many times and, you know, it's like, wait, are you talking about the port manager from 7.5 or 8.0? It's, it's just, it's having that visual reference is really nice to show off the new stuff. Um, so I really like that and hope they keep doing that. Yeah, because sometimes the language could be a bit weird. They, someone they they could mention the feature, 
and then you might you might dig around the GUI and find oh where is it or what does it actually look like and now they've got um, some visual representation of what it actually is so yeah all good yeah fantastic release so yeah we're at, um, we're testing Unify eight at Hostify and then it'll rolled out be rolled out at some point but yeah all good yeah and for, and for such a big version change I I didn't have any issues and I haven't heard of people having like major issues so no no. I updated my UDMSE while I wasn't at home. Everything came back up fine. So was... That's risky. Yeah. <laughs> I live dangerously. I update my UDM right. from outside. <laughs> um, this next one. When this launched, I, 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 I couldn't work out what was different. I spent ages looking at the um, the product page for it. It's the AI Theta or Theta. I don't know how you pronounce that. Theta. Um, oh, Theta. So AI... It's a Greek, Greek letter. Theta. Oh, okay. Um, so that's the new pro version of that camera and apart from some new lenses which are available to buy separately now and you can also buy the hub separately so if you for some reason want a hub separately I'm not sure why um, you can buy the hub separately and then you can buy a new professional long distance lens which is 50 millimeters, I think 50 millimeters, I think so uh, and then you can also got a new We've also got a wide-angle lens at 110mm, 360 lens as well. Uh, so I guess that's applicable, similar to the uh, AI 360, and they've got a long-distance lens as well. Um, and they got you can now buy the hub separately, but I can't work out... I, sh I just couldn't work out what was different uh, between the pro versions apart from the new lenses, and I think that might be just the difference. Yeah, this, this has been a weird camera. And mm. again, I, I'm not super into Unified Protect, so this is all kind of strange to me. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it is just the lens option and the kit and all the like buying options you have now. Because yep. I, I know the when it launched, at least, it launched with one option. And it was you get you get a little computer, basically, where it's doing the, you know, um, AI features like the, the processing of the license plates and facial recognition. So it had that little, it almost looked like a first-gen cloud key, like that little white kind of rectangle box. Mm. Um, and then it had the cable going up to the lens, and that was, um, in the original SKU, you had two lenses, kind of a wide angle and more of a telephoto. And a lot of people complained, like, why would I buy multiple of these and then waste half the lenses that I get because I can only use one at a time? Right. So I, I think this is a, a nice change to allow the option of like, you know, buying with the lens that you want and kind of buying more piecemeal where you say, hey, I need, you know, just this one part and you can kind of buy those parts individually. I, I okay. think that's the big thing that's changed, that but sense. also, yeah, everything about this product is a little bit confusing to me. Yeah, they released a marketing, they got these new YouTube videos out now with some actors and things. Um, and they released a, they released one about it, and just I didn't realize how small the lens is. So I'd imagine they market the they market the product as sort of a interior design focused device. So I'd imagine if you got a very high end uh, Rolex shop or very high end boutique shop, you don't want some huge, humongous uh, Hikvision camera in the roof you, or the ceiling. You want something very small and discreet. And judged by uh, I haven't seen any reviews of this, and uh, no one's reviewed it, I don't think. But it looks. Yeah, uh, the it looks pretty good, and I imagine the quality of it's good. And because it's an AI camera, it does all the license plate recognition and the people detection and that sort of thing. So, again, I haven't had a chance to use one yet at some but yeah, and I haven't seen any reviews. But yeah, that that clears up the difference between the pro one and the standard one for me. So, 
I, I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that that um that was my favorite thing about this product is the the like marketing tagline of like I think it was something like the the first camera system designed for interior design professionals. Yeah, it was something like that, and I'm like. But yes, it it is very nice looking, very small. Mm. It has the AI features, and now you have what the chime. I don't know if that's new. The AI um, theta AI theta audio. No, that's not new. That's that's because these right, are so okay. small. They don't have microphones built in, so you can put the microphone somewhere else near the camera, and that's USB C back to the AI. Right, and that's a speaker hub. too. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so it yeah, is. it's it's a bit pricier, but mm. it's nice that they kind of have the you know, compile your own kit uh, ability now, and it's still just, I don't know, uh, you, you definitely are paying extra for how small and how nice looking yeah. it is, but yeah, I'll put a picture like, on I bet they like that. It's cool, yeah, I'll put a picture on screen, but there's a picture on the original one of the lens next to a drawing pin, and it says it's 22 millimeters tall, so it's the height of a drawing pin, which is just <laughs> so small. So, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Uh, we've also got this one, this one, the uh, EV Station Pro. I didn't really at first. I didn't really understand why they've come out with the Pro one because it's essentially the same as the other one. Um, but I've I worked in the time since I worked out what it's for. So for those uninitiated, we've got the EV Station, which is the only product on the store, the UK at least, which still has the early access tag. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on there. Um, hey, isn't Unified Talk early, or that's a software? Unified Talk is early access, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> good uh, The EV station, so the original one is about a grand, a thousand pounds. It's got a. Uh, so it's, it's meant it's meant for offices essentially because, yes, you can have it operate without any authentication. But it's really designed for is integration with Unified Connect and UID and all the niceties that you got in a probably the only places in ubiquity office really. <laughs> Um, but it's essentially meant to to keep an eye on charging for an office scenario, and then no one pays for any of the charging. It's all free because it's what workplaces do now. Uh, and then this professional one is different in two ways. It's got a black charging connector, but it also has some built-in hardware to um, accept payment processing. So I'd imagine this is probably designed for a bit more of a public place um, where you want to charge people for the payment processing. So it's, it's coming soon. I'd imagine that'll probably be by contactless card or RFID or something along those lines. But the weird thing to me is that they're selling it in the they're selling it in the UK, or it's listed in the UK, but it's got a what's called a J one seven seven two charging plug, and nothing in the EU in the UK uses that standard at all. And I think it's a bit uncommon. I don't know if it's common in the US either, but uh, I know that Teslas don't use it. For example, I don't think. Just to explain the conversation me and Evan are about to have, I forgot that the CCS charging standard is different in the EU and UK compared to the US. In the US, the J1772 connector, which Ubiquiti is using, is fine to use in the US, it just doesn't work with Tesla vehicles. I would imagine what Ubiquiti will do is update the Unify EV station and have two versions, one with the NACS standard, which is the Tesla one, and one with the Type 1 or J1772. Evan mentions that EVs are moving towards the NACS standard in the US. He is correct. CCS is being replaced with NACS pretty widespread in the US now. In reference to the CCS standard, both the CCS1 and CCS2, the latter used in the EU, are DC. The smaller section of it is AC, which means cars with CCS1 or 2 can work with slower AC chargers. The AC section in CCS1 is J1772, 
which is what Unified Charger is using, and in the EU and UK, it is the Type 2 connector, which is in part of the CCS2 standard. The EV explainer is now over. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah. I- yeah. So I, I, I was going to ask you, because you're definitely more knowledgeable about electric cars. I was like, yeah. what charges with that? Yeah. Because I, I the news I'm, I heard of um, maybe a year ago, probably six months ago, um, a, a lot more companies are shifting over to Tesla's uh, standard That's charger. Because yep. they made it license-free, and there's already the supercharger network. So it seems like everyone, I think that it's like most, uh, at least like North America and maybe Europe, are kind of standardizing on Tesla. And then isn't there like a Asian standard? I don't know the names of these things off the top of my head. But I don't yeah. know what, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard of SAE J. J1772 standard is not the Tesla standard. So the Tesla standard is called the North American standard. Uh, and that essentially has two big connectors at the top and then a gap in the middle and then a small at the bottom. The, you are right, the, the whole of the US is moving towards using the Tesla standard. I have no idea what uses this connector. Um, I'll put some follow-up in the, in the show notes if I can find anything. But yeah, so in the EU and the US, sorry, in the EU and UK, we've got CCS2. It's that big sort of bulky connector and that is used for um, fast charging, DC fast charging. And then a segment of that charger like the top half of it is uh, Type 2, and that's used for AC charging, so slower stuff and at home. Uh, and then in, in the US, you do have CCS2 um, on a lot of vehicles, but yeah, as I said, basically all the manufacturers in the US now, apart from a few, are moving towards the Tesla standard. And I I believe that they're gonna, all going to ship with adapters, but I have literally no idea what uses, it, uses that connector. Um, and it's really weird. Yeah, so I mean, I, I would assume in the future they'll have a CCS2 version of this, possibly. But yeah, the the professional adding what uh, you think it's going to be for payments. Um, is there anything else really for the um, no? It's pro version? it's the same display, same support, same charging speed, same charging plug, um, same software stuff. It just says card reader accessory support. Oh, okay, so it's come. It will come with a external accessory for payment processing. So not even on and, the device itself. Okay. Yeah, and I think wi- like Wi-Fi rather than Ethernet. For that's right. So it has Wi-Fi Auto Connect. So like the uh, Unify Talk ATA, you can't log into it and configure the Wi-Fi manually. You've got to use Unify to make it Auto Connect. To be honest, I'd just rather use Ethernet if it came to that. Um, I just, yeah. I, if you're going to run power to all these devices, why not run Ethernet at the same time? But yeah. Yeah. Well, it possibly, I mean, Ethernet is sensitive to um, electromagnetic, electromagnetic interference, so mm-hmm. you probably don't want to run it alongside yeah, super yeah. high voltage power. Sure. So maybe it could come in handy there. But yeah, yeah I, I, the the use case you mentioned of like a company providing free charging for their employees, I guess if you're all in on unified identity and all that, yeah. it makes sense. But then, yeah, the, the plug is the big thing for me. Like if, yeah. if, if this plug is going to be outdated, yeah. you know, already why why would you spend a thousand dollars to put one of these in and then you know no one's gonna be able to actually charge their car with it yeah so i googled the connector and the main thing that came up was adapters for it from it to tesla so (laughs) um yeah no it's cool uh the next one is there's some little changes to unify.ui.com uh, it now shows individual Unify devices. So if you're running, so you log into unify.ui.com and you're now running 3.2, uh, 
there's a section on the left hand side called devices and it will basically show if your if your console is on the early version of software it will show all the, all the individual devices their firmware version their uptime i think uh, their ip address and yeah and it says if your console is not up to date it'll just say update required so that um the the listing of individual devices is the new thing there yeah right so yeah i've got some devices on my on my one here so i can click on each device and look at the firmware version the uptime uh some other descriptions i can add notes and things without having to log into each console so if i've got a bunch of different offices i'm managing i'd imagine this is quite useful you can quickly have a look at everything without logging to every device um yeah i'd imagine that's quite useful yeah and, then, and also the site support button i i have that now i don't know if you do as well uh, I guess no. you don't because, yeah, it's U.S. only. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I have the little button to activate the $100 a month um, site support that we talked about. Should we do a live call on the podcast? <laughs> see, what they, yeah. see what they say. I don't know if I want to spend $100 on that, though. <laughs> but I am I am curious. Yeah. But, yeah, the, having the individual devices listed out, that's very nice because, yeah, you used to have to go to in the individual console to see that. Um, yeah. So it makes sense that they added that. And I have a feeling, because I think the site manager branding, that's relatively new as well. I don't know mm. exactly when they changed that. Yeah. And the the tabs along the left make me think they're going to add, add a few more things there. So right now it's just your consoles, it's site magic, and then the individual devices. And I could see, you know, a couple things being added. There. And then yeah, the last one is network service. If you've got uh, an old cloud key or Hostify or something self-hosted, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. get an extra bit in there. Um, and then the other change was they removed all the... Um, images of the devices so used to have the tabs or the buttons for each uh, console you're managing so cloud key protect cameras uh, UNVR sorry uh, they removed the images um, that I, used to, I used to use that sort of a visual visual thing that I have to read just to see which device I'm logged into um, I guess just for cleanliness does look quite nice now um, but yeah, yeah I, th I think they just became icons I only have one online so I can't verify but uh, actually, no. Yeah. So it's like the Unify OS, like the console settings, um, yep. or whatever they rebranded it to. Yep. Yeah. It just looks like a generic, like, 1U appliance. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's for a UDM, so it's not matching, and there is no UDM icon or, or picture. No, no. I, just, I noticed that. Yeah. It used to be a product image, like a, pro a photograph of each each device. Um, it, well, one, it might speed up load page loading times, I guess. Um, but also it just makes things look quite nice, I suppose. Uh, and the same for the self-hosted. So if you've got Hostify controllers in network servers, there used to be like a generic weird image, and it now just doesn't say anything, just says Hostify and then version number, and then you can log into the controllers. So little bits of GUI changes there, all good. Nice. And then the last bit we've got is a new access point. So uh, for 60 gigahertz waves, so the... This isn't necessarily new, it's just made available. It's the Wave AP Micro. So I've been, well, I think in the summer I was playing around with some Wave AP stuff at home, um, getting those tested and making some content on those. Uh, but this this was announced probably June last year now, um, alongside all the other Wave stuff, and this is this is now available. So it's essentially the uh, Micro Pop, is what we'll, we'll call that, um, little device that would do... Uh, so there's five gigabits max. Uh, it would do eight eight hundred megabits on five gig, uh, two and a half gig one port. Uh, it says up to six kilometers of range with long range and the pro models. So, yeah, if you if you're deploying Wave in a Wisp at the moment and you want a smaller little device, that looks a good one. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's the same price, or at least I thought it was weird that 
in the U.S., they're both four ninety nine. I don't know. I assume the prices are the same for you. Yes, three ninety. The price between the two yeah. models are the same. Yeah. And yeah, the Wave AP is it's only thirty degree width, so you it's a pretty narrow section, yeah. and you kind of need a bunch of them to cover three sixty. The Wave AP is definitely shorter range because it's ninety degrees per. So yeah, yeah if, if you got a bunch of clients over ninety degrees or one hundred eight degrees, and you get two of them, um, it's a nice little device. And I've never heard. I've never heard anyone complain about the wave stuff. It's it's pretty solid. No, no, it looks looks good. To be fair, uh, I think I think there's a friend of mine in the UK that does a Wisp. Um, I think he's using LTU. I think he's used a few bits of wave stuff. I'm not sure. Um, I have to see how we get on with that. But yeah, there's again, it's a shame because I've got my star into Ubiquity from all the ISP stuff because we both used to work at Wisps and I was my very first job. So that's my sort of entry into the Ubiquity world. So I'm I'm glad that. Ubics are still continuing with their bread and butter, essentially put it, their their core roots of what they got started doing. So even though they're doing all the new fancy stuff and all the hobbies, as you call it, um, they're still doing some ISP stuff because it's got a it's got a use. It's it's really good stuff. Yeah, the the wave is yeah the UISP in general is kind of the sad neglected stepchild now. Yeah. unifies the <laughs> the star child. Um, but yeah, the the wave sixty gigahertz and that AP Marco that is now available in the UK. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, edge routers and edge switches, eh, kind of on life support, but they are yeah. like the new interface for the edge switch that was nice. Um, you know, UISP hardware is you know just gained the web interface so. They're kind of like very slowly dragging their feet. It's it's almost like they don't want to be in this business anymore. But then, they they release products like this that are good, and yep. then like Robert Para will show up at a trade show out of nowhere, even though he hasn't done that in ten years. So, yep. it's like maybe they're afraid of losing this business, and uh, I don't know. It, it's tough to say, but I, I wish they cared a little bit more about it. Yeah, personally, like when when I was back looking at the West, but I know you've used Cambium before, but in my own sort of view on it all that they were the most appealing company to sort of follow even in that like without looking at unify this they seem to be doing the most again like this was probably back in 2018 2019 they're releasing aero s8 aero s6 all the multi um backwards compatibility stuff and new fibers device everything was coming out at the time and got new air fiber devices and stuff so to me if you look at other companies in that industry like uh, the do backhaul wireless and things every other company was releasing a new product like every once every few years or something and that was it new software updates were here far and few between but at the time ubiquity was really pushing things along and doing cool stuff and uh, i think willie's got a video coming out soon looking at um usp fiber so i think he's done something with fiber at some point i haven't seen any videos on that apart from one ages ago no one's really documented that process because it is very niche I mean, if you are in that business, you're not going to really go film it. I don't think. Um, if you're if you're doing that day in day out, I think oh, he's going to watch this. So, <laughs> yeah, I doubt, I doubt you'd film it. But yeah, it's it's an interesting part of the company, and it's a company that is doing a lot of like different stuff. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, and what's great? I mean, some of those things are still true. Like yeah. they're still lower cost than a lot of others. They don't have license fees. They still, you know, in some areas like Wave, um, yeah. they're still you know, releasing new products pretty quickly. It's just, yeah, it's, it, it's easy to kind of look back and go, Oh, you know, we, we missed the golden era of them. You know, yep. that was being their, their main thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it's still at least somewhat <laughs> being invested in. Yeah. Um, and ho- hopefully they do that more. Yeah. Just like, so yeah, but back when I was at the West, we did a lot of, uh, 
just in comparison to other hardware. So like, we'd have some hardware that was 10 years old or something, the same age as Air Fiber at the time, and you'd find that you need a special version of Internet Explorer to use it because the web guru is so awful. It would not, sometimes it wouldn't show stuff. We had, um, and then the, in comparison, the Air Fiber just works on Chrome with a, a software update from years ago. Um, we had uh, Fiber OLTs. Every other model of Fiber OLT I've ever come across has no web GUI. You have to have <laughs> command line, which for me, command line is a no-go because I just don't, I just can't get my head around it. I have to have notes and things about how to use it. And then you, got, you just got the um, Ubiquiti Fiber stuff. Well, yeah, you can have a GUI, you can log it into USB, remotely manage everything. You haven't got to like search commands and do different things. So that to me was, it was making my job easier at the time. So it was good. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, and now, like, I because I, I was kind of like, uh, f with the release of the UXG Lite, I was kind of like, uh, my preview, uh, yeah. it kind of focused a lot on, like, um, the different eras of Unify, so it was like the USG era, mm. and then in 2019, it became, like, the Dream Machine era, and so many things changed because of that, um, and I forget where I was going with this topic, but <laughs> <laughs> I just lost it. Dang it. I had a point. Um Oh, go on. Yes. Oh, no, I remember what I was going to say. Go um, speaking of 10 years old, yep. the XR2, what what brought that up? Oh, because um, I, I was, I was, I found the gang box on the store. And I was like, what other stuff is on here? And I remember I saw this device ages ago. From what I remember, I put it, so I put it in the show notes, the XR2. I was going to ask you, so for those not, well, those listening, not watching, it's like this little board essentially looks like a raspberry pi kind of thing i guess it's still in stock in the us it's like essentially one of ubiquity's first devices like before nanostation why the hell is that on the the store it, it supports what does it support 82.11 b and g like i can't work out i just wondered if you had any input on that what what is people what are people buying that for yeah i, th I think it was literally one of their first devices because yeah, yeah. the origin story is Rob Perra was working at Apple yep. in the airport division, started developing this stuff. I, I believe one company time, but um, <laughs> he started developing these yep. uh, radio modules, literally. And that was what he used to build, or you know, the company used to build nano stations and, and all the early right. uh, like fixed wireless products. So yeah, I think this is, I don't know the specifics about the XR2. That's yep. the specific model that's still for sale. It is pretty ridiculously outdated it's like a pci card you would like put into a, a pci slot and it's like i think it's 802.11 g b and g uh, it yeah. only gets up yeah b and g so it's it's ancient technologically speaking but yeah you can still spend 105 bucks and buy one for some reason maybe it's like a robert para point of pride like he just wants this to you know his his product is still for sale <laughs> yeah um, i just thought i'd add that to the show notes because i what? Because I, I spent a little while going for the store to see if there's anything new because we don't get EA stuff anymore, so you don't have to sort of do your own digging to find out what's new. So, yeah. Cool. Just before we wrap up, uh, have you got anything else you've been working on? I know you've, you've hinted on some UXG guides and things, but have you got some stuff on your website you've been working on? So. Yeah, so I uh, made a UXG Lite preview. So that's just kind of a overview of the specs, comparison, kind of quick thoughts when it was uh, originally released. Nice. Um, I'm working on my reviews, but that's probably going to take a little bit. I, I want to do some kind of in-depth throughput testing and, and kind of documenting the setup and all, all the little asterisks about what does a cloud key and a UXG do that, you know, the cloud gateway doesn't and vice versa. Um, so hopefully in the next week or two, I'll have that um, review out. Lovely. Cool, yeah. 
yeah, you're quite a perfectionist when it comes to reviews. I think everyone who reads it appreciates that as well. So you get some good feedback on your stuff. So, uh, yeah, I just I wish I was quicker. It just yeah, it takes me a while. Uh, and yeah, a few episodes ago we spoke about the solar point, and I made a video for Hostify, which I've linked in the show notes, where I do a okay job of filming my process of that. I forgot to film some of it, so I did some voiceover for that. Which, <laughs> um, but yeah, I installed a. It got a few views, not many, but I installed a new uh, lighting pole, so concrete that in the ground, uh, solar point, cabinet, batteries. Uh, basically moved it, so I had a solar point installation I installed during 2020 during lockdown, and it was on a very flimsy sort of setup so I've been bugging me ever since so I spent the time and and did it properly essentially um, and I imagine there's quite a few things that aren't quite right with it um, people watched it but I, I'm quite I'm quite happy with it it took me quite a while so um, yeah if someone's interested in solar point or solar and ubiquity in general definitely check that up that video out so I'll go over some of the details in there and the software as well so I've got that new software update that we discussed a few episodes ago for the solar point so yeah nice back back from the dead yeah that yeah um just looking at the the image for the um you know title card or whatever you call it yeah that, that looks is is that um the white box below and that solar panel was that like a kit or did you have to assemble that because to me solar gets really confusing when it's not just like a pre-made thing and you have to know about electrical and voltages and all that did you hand assemble that or what, what is that gear um, so I purchased the original gear. Um, the white box is just a just a standard like network rack cabinet that's made for outdoor. Um, I'll be honest, I spent ages and ages and ages watching Chris's videos on solar. I probably watched every one about three times just to get my head around what it all does. Um, and uh, no, none of it came as a kit. Um, it, I purchased the same solar panel he did. Um, I used the, the solar point with it. I was trying to work out what the connectors are called that the MC4 connectors. The little I had no idea what they were called. Um, did loads of research with it, and it, <laughs> during the original process, I, I learned wrongly how to ferrule connect stuff. So you get these little um, like metal things that go over the thing. Like I crimped those completely wrong, so I did it properly with this one. And then yeah, it somehow worked the first time. I no idea. I spent eight, far too long and far too much money buying pre-made cables and things on ages ago but no none of it none of it was a kit the batteries are just standard caravan batteries essentially the leisure ba leisure batteries uh from a local uh auto car shop here um yeah um the a lot of it was just learn as you go and make mistakes i suppose but the second that the this time when i rebuilt it for the video it went a lot smoother because i knew what i was doing roughly um and then luckily there's a guy that comes with a solar point on how to connect batteries in series or parallel i can't quite remember which one's which so you have two 12 volt batteries and then you can make them 24 volts by doing or leave it to, connecting them together somehow but luckily there's a little guide that comes with the UXD solar point so right but yeah, yeah when it comes to stuff like that I'm, I'm happy to pay someone else to do that or buy a product that solves that for me because yeah you can you connect the wrong wire and poof magic smoke yeah but it kept myself it kept me uh, entertained during lockdown because it was a boring time so yeah nice. No, it was good. So check that video out down below. And then that's pretty much it. So thanks again, Evan. Uh, as always, you can find this podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. For a full description of this show, visit the episode link in the show notes. And of course, check out those chapters complete with images to make your listening experience much more enjoyable. We also have an ad-free premium version of this show available on Apple Podcasts. That will help support this episode and future podcasts from the interface. That's about 99p a month for that one uh, you get all three podcasts from the interface as well ad free 
Thank you for joining me on this episode of UI Chat. We, where can you find people online if they want to find out more about what you, what you do? EvanMcCann.net. EvanMcCann.net. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this UI Chat podcast. If you like what we do, follow the show on all the podcast platforms and YouTube. Give us a rating. This helps other people find this show. Thanks again, Evan, and we'll look forward to your UXG light review. It's UXG season. <laughs> UXG season. Nice.